Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip talks about, should I put all of my money in an S&P 500 index fund? And why always shooting for home run investment opportunities is a terrible idea. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now, here's Philip. Hey, this episode is brought to you by my two wealth building partner sponsors, John Thurman, Access Financial, independent life insurance agent, help you shop your life insurance and disability insurance and health insurance needs. And by Allison Rife Martin, Rife Martin CPA. They are your outsource personal and or business CFO to help make sure that your money is organized and right and that you're not paying more than your fair share of taxes. Let's get to the show. All righty, it is August 4th, 2021, hump day, my favorite day. Uh, I'm, I'm like a week and some days into a training camp, my third training camp. I got a Muay Thai fight coming up September 18th, I believe is the date. So um, yeah, man, it's just, you, I I actually enjoy the process of training camp because it allows me to be more disciplined with my eating. Uh, I work out harder, and so I'm 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 hoping to stay in shape. I don't have to do it uh, a fight every few months, you know, uh, every few months. But we'll see. Right now, I just like to do it, so I'm doing it. So it's fun, um, you know. Do it while I can. Right, one day I won't be able to. But let's get into the episode. You know, one of the questions I'm asked often is, and it's in relation to investing in the S&P 500 is, hey, Philip, you know, I read all these books about putting my money into a low cost S&P 500 index fund. You know, shouldn't I do that? What, you know, why do I need these other mutual funds or, or, or funds in my portfolio? Because most managers don't beat the S&P 500 um, anyway. And so part of that logic is true, but I have to dissect it a bit because it's, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of saying, Hey, Philip, you know, shouldn't I put premium gas and I'm terrible at cars, so I can't even make a really good analogy. So just forget the analogy. Let me just get into the, to the reason why the S and P 500 index fund was made famous and brought, I believe brought to retail in like the seventies by Vanguard, Jack Bogle founder, because he found that most managers uh, in, in, in America were basically investing in mostly U.S. stocks anyway, and just buying the S&P 500 and letting, you know, uh, and letting the, letting the market dictate how much money went into each, uh, you know, each stock provided you with a better result on average than, than the professional manager. And you can do it for cheap because you can just program the computer to do what's called, um, you know, market weight the fund, market weight the stocks, which basically just means, hey, if you know, if if Apple is twenty percent of the S and P five hundred, it gets a twenty percent weighting in the portfolio. Or if it's twenty percent of, you know, if it's yeah, if it's twenty percent of the value of all those stocks, and you add them up, 
based on what the market says the price is, you know, for that day or whatever period they use to rebalance it, then it would get a 20% weighting in the portfolio, which basically just meant let the market decide. The market is smart. The market is collective of people that are looking at a bunch of different stuff. And it's really hard to be smarter than everybody. And so let the market decide and don't try to find managers who say, hey, we can out, we can pick which of the 500 stocks are going to be the best and we can rearrange them in order and weight them according to what we think will be best, right? So that's the that's the foundation of the Vanguard S&P 500 stock. And you have a period of time where after that phone was created, you had a 30, 40 year massive bull run in, in, in US markets um, where they provided the, 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 the highest rate of return. But the US market is as far as like, citizens, populations, people. It's not, I mean, it's not the majority of where you can invest. There's plenty of places where you can invest, plenty of asset classes where you can invest. And so when you're, and, and then within the US, there are different types of stocks you can buy because the S&P 500 is just a large cap blend portfolio, which means it's, when you say blend, that means it's growth and value stocks. But if, if you look at stick with the U.S. market. If you were to say, hey, over that period of time, I'm going to buy small cap value stocks, which are, which weren't in the index, you know, they were more volatile, but that basket of stocks yielded you a better return than S&P over that period of time. Because what's, what's, what's most, so, so let's dissect the things that are right about that advice. You know, cost matters. So, you know, I like to use um, low cost ETFs, which are index funds that are were basically index funds that are traded on the uh, stock exchanges. So they're low cost because cost matters, but the basket matters too. And so that's where the, the advice for putting your money in the S and P 500 and just letting it float. That's, that's where it ends for me because, you know, there are time periods where the, you know, like I just mentioned, small cap value stocks killed the S and P, you know, over that period of time. And then there's periods of time like decades where the S and P 500, underperforms other asset classes because of what's going on from an economic standpoint that are economic trends. So another example is like the 2000s, the lost decade, basically from 2000 to like 2010 or so, the U.S. underperformed uh, global stocks as a whole, uh, specifically, you know, stocks, uh, emerging market stocks. And there are things that you could look at to get a picture of what's going on in the, in the global economy, like growth and inflation and debt that can give you a clue into which assets you want to weigh more of, right? The, sex, the, the most recent example too is the best performing, you know, asset class over the last 10 years, you know, from a stock perspective, yeah, it was S&P 500, but Bitcoin smoked the S&P 500, you know, over that period of time. And so the, the, the most important part, and I've put this in my book that I wrote, retirement investing one-on-one that still sells on Amazon. And I've said it multiple times on the podcast, most important factor in investing is asset allocation. So um, what asset class you own over and above everything else. And like an example is I own GBTC. And whenever I talk to folks about um, the portfolio and if they want to own it as well, and, you know, I go over, Hey, this, because it's not an ETF and it's a, basically a trust in a, in a, in a closed in fund format. Uh, it's relatively expensive to ETFs, but I still own it because net of the expenses, the return is still 
you know, top performing asset class that I believe, you know, in the past, and I believe for the next five years. So the the the, the fee net net gives me a significantly better return than what I think I'm going to get, even in the lowest cost, you know, S and P 500, you know, fund. So it's part of the process, right? Because you read a lot about index funds, the S and P 500 ET, you know, uh, ETFs, and 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 the fact that cost matters, and it does. But it's but you want to look at it in relation to um, the specific asset class. So, for example, once there's a Bitcoin ETF that's low cost, I'm dropping this expensive <laughs> grayscale fund unless it unless which they're supposed to convert to an ETF. So maybe I don't have to drop it. But the point is. The, the cost matters in relation to like asset classes, um, but the S and P five hundred is just one asset class. It's a large cap U.S. blend fund, which is like one of many many classifications that you can invest in from an asset class standpoint. So keep that in mind. Next topic we'll cover is always you, you don't have to always shoot for home runs, and I I read a book called The Millionaire Next Door a while back. Man, I, it was when I first got in the business. So it had to be like 15, 15, 16 years ago. And the book talks about the attributes of millionaires and they actually don't look the way you think they look. And and it compared it to high income earners. So the, the people think have money like, you know, physicians, attorneys. And so they, they, make, they make a high income, but typically, they don't build um, in general, right? They're they're they don't build lots of wealth. There's a whole lot of reasons, but um, it, it specifically talked about um, physicians, and and, and I'm, I'm giving this context because I worked with lots of physicians over the years. And what the book talked about, and what I observed, and specifically working with you know high high income professionals like you know like uh, physicians, is you know they love shooting for home runs, and I'm. Not picking on physicians, but um, it's a, you have to understand the mindset of somebody who has lots of money is always getting ideas thrown at them because people perceive physicians as being wealthy, and they're not necessarily wealthy, but they have they have high income where they can throw um, throw money, you know, at 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 ideas. And so, um, you know, over the years, I've been able to watch many people who I've talked to about, you know, I I, I sat down with them a while ago and said, hey. Why don't you have a plan in place where you're just trying to shoot, you know, trying to hit signals and doubles like a well-diversified portfolio? You make a good income. Like, I think it's easier for you to become financially independent by putting away, you know, 15, 20 percent of your income because you because you make so much into the singles and doubles. And then, you know, if a home run comes along, fine, like shoot, the, you know, take take the home run opportunity, you know, but if it doesn't, we can project out conservatively that you're going to have plenty of money. Well, you fast forward that. And a lot of the people, a lot of those people said no. Right. And I check in with them and and they still don't have much money because they've been every year shooting for home runs and the home runs just didn't work out. And they were, a lot of them were uninformed home runs. They were just terrible ideas from the get go. But when you have lots of money and you don't have lots of time, <laughs> that doesn't help that, some folks think that some folks that makes high income think they're smarter than everybody. And so when you think you're smarter than everybody, you you take dumb risk home run opportunities over and over and over again. And then you end up 10, 20, 30 years later, you know, in your 50s or close to 60s. And you don't have nearly enough money to become financially independent because you kept shooting for home runs versus 
just shooting for the singles and doubles. And and for my, you know, for my physicians out there who do do it, I do actually have quite a few physician clients that wrote, they, they, they did single and doubles, right? So that's why I'm saying this is a, this, this was a general observation of the book, looking at, you know, physicians as a whole, uh, and then just, you know, my observation working with them, like, you know, um, yeah, on average, physicians don't do well with their money. But I've met some ones that were hum that that are humble, right? Was didn't need this, didn't go for home runs. They went for the singles and doubles. And those clients actually are like my largest accounts because they had they had lots of discretionary money uh, to save, and and they went for uh, singles and doubles. And that stuff compounded over time, uh, and, and and in a faster time period than what than what you, than what you actually would think. So you, you don't need to shoot for home runs. I think the mindset of shooting for home runs it's is a lot of ticket type thinking. I always talk about meaning you want to do a little for a lot in a short period of time, versus doing singles and doubles, saying, "Hey, I'm going to put away 20 percent of my income because I make a lot." And then I'm going to put it into this boring stuff, right? It's not sexy to talk about when you're at the golf course with your friends and say, oh, you know, I have a well-diversified portfolio, you know, um, of, you know, of stocks, bonds, um, commodities, crypto. Um, I guess crypto might be a bit sexy because that's, that's new in the portfolio relative in the last couple of years. But, um, you know, but it's, it's still not a super sexy portfolio versus saying, oh, I invested in this, this new you know, facility that is going to revolutionize whatever emergency medicine or, you know, whatever other crazy schemes that uh, people that have high income are pitched by investors who can't get money from real investors. So they go to people who have high income and a high ego and don't know better. So just be mindful, y'all. I'm, 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 the, the cool part about, you know, have been doing this for 15, 16 years is Early on, I read the books and I took the advice of the people that were been in the business for a while. And uh, then I got to look at what they told me and then look at experience from meeting with thousands of people over a year and seeing what people who were successful did and people who were not successful did. And the books were spot on. Like, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, inside note, I would highly encourage everybody to read uh, The Millionaire Next Door. It's a it's a amazing book to understand, like what real wealth looks like, what the habit of wealthy people, what the habits of wealthy people look like, the mistakes of high income earners. Because again, the book, the book rags on attorneys and physicians, but don't take it as like the profession. Think about it as, you know, they're just the, some of the highest income professions um, out there. And so they're going to show up in, in, in the, in the data, but look at it more as, Hey, you know, if, if I'm a high income earner, and I think that I'm smarter than everybody because I can make a high income in my specific field. Be mindful of that. And also be mindful of the beauty of being a high income earner is you can save a, a bigger percentage of your paycheck, put in the singles and doubles and, and make some money. And, and by the way, like it's quite, I, I think it's okay to take 5% of your money or whatever, since you make so much and go shoot for them home runs. But you know that if you're, if you're putting away 15, 20% in the singles and doubles, and then you're doing you know, three, four, five percent into home runs, and then something comes along and hits. Great, cool, like it's a double win. So go for it. Just don't do all of it like that. I haven't seen it work out. So I hope this helps you. Until tomorrow, uh, you enjoy your day. 
If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.